Okay, just before Lauren comes up to share his message with us, um, there is a verse in Corinthians that um, aligns with the message. Um, so I'm going to read that. It's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 8. Let me now remind you, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation in case it doesn't sound quite like yours. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So I'm going to invite Lauren up. So when I proposed to Denise, what are you laughing at? <laughs> when I proposed to Denise, uh, there wasn't any doubt in my mind what her answer was going to be. I had full assurance that she and I would be married. Um, it all started, we actually met at a place called uh, the One Way Adventure Foundation. Uh, Camp Colonial, if you've ever driven through Manning Park, you've had to drive right past this sign. Uh, that sign's not there anymore, it's been removed but Camp Colonial Lodge is still there in a little place called Headley, B.C., in between Carameas and, and Princeton. And uh, the One Way Adventure Foundation uh, existed as an organization. It was uh, staffed by Christians, uh, Christians who were providing care for troubled teens. So we had teenagers that came from all over the province of British Columbia, um, who were struggling um, with all kinds of different reasons. There were some kids that were in trouble with the law, uh, some kids that were, uh, uh, had been removed from their homes because of the, uh, uh, the, the struggles and the tension and conflicts that were there. And they came out to Camp Colonial, and we would uh, live with them for um, uh, some time for as, as few as a, as a couple of weeks, uh, other times for, for years on end where they would come and live with us and we would help develop life skills with them. And through it all, allowing Christ to shine through our lives into, um, into, their, into their experience and, and through that hope that they would come to know Christ for themselves. Um, Denise had been a part of Camp Colonial for a number of years. I came um, after a few years of Bible school and came out. They had a one-year training program uh, for potential staff members who would go through this year-long program 
of learning how to be able to uh, to uh, care for these young people, how to help build life skills in into them, um, and and also it was a. Uh, uh, um, uh, Christian discipleship training. So we were learning to uh, how to be able to share our faith, how to live out our faith in a in a in a real way there in that kind of conflict-ridden society kind of a setting. One of the things that they would do as part of the One Way One Way Adventure Foundation for those people that were going through this year-long training is they would partner them up with a senior staff member, somebody who'd already been there for a number of years. Uh, and and they would meet on a weekly basis. The, the foundation would pay for them to be able to go out for supper and uh, spend time together and talk about those uh, things, the struggles that the new, uh, the new trainees were going through. Um, it was kind of like one of those things that if nobody else was going to be your friend, the foundation was going to pay for this person to be your friend. And uh, they would have to listen to everything and that year that I went and was a part of the training, they did this very strange thing that they had never done before, never did again, was they partnered me, a, a young male student, with a female senior student, a senior, senior staff member, which just happened to be this lovely young lady named Denise Arnett. And, um, and so we began this relationship where the foundation paid for us to go vote for supper <laughs> and and share with one another and I felt sorry for this this young lady that she had to sit there with me um, I, I've never been a great communicator I don't talk very much about my feelings and all that kind of stuff and uh, that was one of the complaints about a lot of, from a lot of my girlfriends of the past uh, so I, I figured this young lady, she had to be here. She was forced into this, into this thing. I had to at least do my best to try and tell all about myself and share very openly about things that were going on. And, uh, and what started as this uh, uh, official staff paid um, interaction soon became something where we uh, fell in love and... Uh, wasn't very long after that as we went through that falling in love phase and we got to know each other on a very real deep level. Uh, we started talking about what it would be like to have share our lives together. Um, so by the time I got to actually popping the question to Denise and asking her if she would marry me, um, I was very confident. I was full of assurance that she was going to say yes. That's what John wants us to understand here in, in this letter. As part of his first letter, and if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 5. It's very interesting. You know, a lot of us would, at the beginning of a letter, state the purpose for what we are trying to accomplish in this letter. John saves that for the end. Uh, right for the very last chapter, chapter 5, um, where he wants us to know 
what it is. Why did he put all this together? Why did he write all of this about God's love for us? How that turns into our love for others. How we need to guard ourselves against false teachers and the antichrist that is out there in the world. And how we are to respond and how we are to live out Christ's commandments in our lives as his child. And then in verse 5, uh, in chapter 5 and verse, uh, thir- uh, let's actually take a run back at it. Verse 11, he starts and he says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And here it is, the the reason that John has written, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The reason that we can know that we have eternal life is not because of all of the good things that we do. We don't know that we have eternal life because we pray regularly three times a day because we read a certain amount of Scripture each, uh, each day from the Bible. Uh, we don't know that we are followers of Christ and that we have life because we go to church on a regular basis, uh, that we give regularly in the offering. None of those things are establish the, the foundation for our assurance. How can we know that we have eternal life? If we believe in the Son. Because it is only in Him that we have life. And that's why uh, we read there in verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. It all starts with what Christ has done for us. Has nothing to do what we have done. And that's why we can have assurance because if it was up to uh, based on what we did you and I both know sometimes we do the right things and sometimes we don't that's why we read right in the first chapter John says if anyone claims to be without sin he's a liar we all know that there is this battle that goes on within us. John, or Paul writes about that in Galatians chapter 5, uh, 17 and following. He talks about how the, the flesh battles against the Spirit of God within us. And the Spirit battles against the flesh. And there is this conflict that's going on back and forth within our lives. So if it was based on our ability to be able to follow through the commands of Christ, we would never have assurance. But the fact 
that our assurance is based on what Christ has done. It doesn't matter how our lives then live out because in that ebb and flow of our relationship with Him, He remains faithful. And His sacrifice and His love and His forgiveness for us never changes. And so we can know that we have life. John then goes on to talk about what that assurance does for us. Verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. When we have assurance that we have life, we can then have confidence in the way that we approach the throne of God. That we lay out our requests before Him, knowing that He hears us. Why? Again, it's not because of what we have done. It's not because we have earned a certain level of His respect and appreciation because we've done all the right things or we've followed all the right rituals or we've been able to maintain a certain level of morality. It has nothing to do with that. The confidence that we have in our prayers is that Christ is faithful. That His love and His life in us means that we can come to God with whatever is on our heart. Now, of course, there is that restrictor in there. And it is a beautiful limit, boundary to all of this. That if we ask anything according to His will, If we are asking the things that are according to God's will, we can have confidence that He is going to hear, that He is going to give us those things that we have asked for because these things align with what He wants. How does that shape our prayers? That should then bring us to the beginning point in our prayers of saying, Lord, what is Your will? What are the things that you want me to pray for? Uh, this is a challenge. So often I rush into prayer with my agenda and my ideas and my will of what I want, of what I think God should be doing in my life and in the lives of other people. But John is saying here, we need to listen. We need to hear what God's will is so that we can align ourselves in prayer with the things that He wants because we want to do the things that please Him. 
because of what he has done for us, because of his sacrifice on our behalf. Our desire then is to do the will of God. That's why we are called followers of Christ. Because we want to follow where He leads us. When we are... Uh, let me just go back before I go on to that point. Uh, I just wanted to make the point of how do we know God's will? We know God's will because Jesus reveals it to us. That's His promise. This, this promise that He made to the disciples in John chapter 15 is really quite astounding. John chapter 15 and verse 15. And I'm going to ask you, if you've got your Bible, flip over to this because I think it's important for us to actually look at these words and know the truth of them. John chapter 15 and verse 15. Jesus, this is part of His discourse to His disciples um, at, at the, the Last Supper, um, part of all of His last words to them, uh, part of His uh, uh, priestly prayer, prayer for them. And here in verse 15 of chapter 15, He makes this amazing statement. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. We are not just the hired help. We are now part, we are welcomed into this intimate relationship with God where He is revealing to us the things that He is at work at, the things that He is doing. And so we can have confidence in praying according to His will because He's promised that He's going to show us. He's going to reveal that to us. And so we can trust Him. Back in 1 John chapter 5, in this letter... Praying according to God's will is always going to result in us praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. You can know that the heart of God is for His family. And so if we are praying according to His will, our heart will also be for God's family. And so that's why the very next verse John goes on and he says, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. 
We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So when we are praying according to God's will, God will then lead us to pray for one another. We have a responsibility to each other. As part of the body of Christ, the actions of one affect and impact the rest of the whole. And so when one of us is, is caught up in sin in some ways, the rest of us have a responsibility to pray for one another. We can know that this is part of God's will because His heart is that all of His children will follow Him and will live according to His will and His purposes. And so we should be praying for one another. And that's something that we have seen all through this book, this letter of John's. How the love of God for us then results in love for others, for His children, for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's something that we have consistently seen as we've gone through this letter over and over again. Love one another, not just in word, but in deed. That we sacrifice ourselves for one another. Now there is this troubling part of these verses that talk about this sin, sins that don't lead to death and sins that lead to death. And, and we, can, we could spend a long time looking at all of that and trying to understand all that that means. Let me say to you here today uh, that sin leading to death, as we look at the context of this letter, the piece that keeps on coming up that, 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 that John uh, addresses more and more is this spirit of Antichrist. Of the false teachers that were going out from, from the church and, and teaching things that, that, that were against the character of Christ. Uh, they were denying that Jesus either had come in the flesh as human or they were denying that He was truly, fully God. And so, uh, most, most scholars, most theologians will say that, that the sin that is leading to death is tied up in that rejection of the character of Christ. That if we refuse to acknowledge that Christ is one of us, and, and so therefore His sacrifice was sufficient for paying the penalty for our sin, we are going to miss the whole message of Christ. If we deny that Christ is fully God, that it was only because He was fully God that His sacrifice was able to pay the penalty for the sins of the whole world, then again, we're going to miss the character and the nature of Christ, and we are going to miss His forgiveness for us. And so when people are trapped in that kind of a sin, that is a sin that leads to death because without acknowledging Christ as our Lord and Savior, there is no life. There is only death. 
John then uh, summarizes all that he has been saying in this letter and in these verses. These are the things that we know. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And then third, we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. There is a a transformation that happens in the hearts of those who have been born of God that keeps them from sinning. That's one of the evidences that we have of our relationship with Christ is He transforms us from the inside. And that's why throughout His letter, John has been saying those who are followers of Christ obey His commandments. Secondly, we know that we belong to God while the world belongs to Satan, is enslaved to Satan. And that's why there is continual sin and destruction in the world because they do not belong to the one who has life but instead they are captive to the one who is death. And so all of the the turmoil, all of the the destruction that we see all around us, the, the abuses that there are of creation, of nature, the, the conflicts that there are between nation against nation, the turmoil that there is within uh, countries and, and governments, the brokenness that there is in families. All of that is evidence that people belong to the evil one. But we as God's people are born of God and therefore we have life. And because we are born of God, we are no longer enslaved by that sin of death. The third thing is true, that we have been given understanding of God so that we can know Him more and more. Have you ever wondered why some people just don't get it when you're telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ? And, and you're laying out these wonderful arguments and you're, you're presenting the, the beauty, the simplicity of, of Christ's love and His sacrifice for us. And they just don't get it. It's because they are not yet born of God. They have not yet received that understanding. And if anything that's going to change, we need God to come in and transform their heart to grab a hold of them and bring them to the truth so that they can know Jesus for themselves. So 
So then John concludes, Therefore, because everyone born of God does not keep sinning, and because we belong to God and not to Satan, and because God has given us understanding to know Him, little children, keep yourself from idols. Watch out for anything that would take the place of Christ in your life. Whether it is a little carven image of something, or whether it is your accumulation of wealth, or whether it is the security of your home, or whether it is the, the pleasure that you get from being together with family, or whether it is your power and your influence on the world. Or maybe it's the accolades you get from doing good and kind things for other people. Satan takes any of that good stuff, things that are right and good that Christ often leads us to, but he can take that and give it a twist. And suddenly it is no longer just a result of knowing Christ, but instead it becomes our focus and our priority in life. Stay away from idols. You don't have to put your trust in anything else because Christ has given us full assurance of life. And that's the beauty of this letter. Is that because of all of these things that John has written for us, we can be assured that Christ has given us life. What a wonderful place to be. Let's pray. I want to give you just a few minutes with your eyes closed and with your heart open before God. There may be some here who have lived without the assurance that they have life. And perhaps the Holy Spirit has been shining the light of truth in your heart that you have been trusting in other things rather than in Christ for your assurance. I want to give you a moment even now just to put all of those idols aside and to invite Christ to come and be the center of your life, to be the hope, to be the, the one that you trust in to deal with the sin and the brokenness within your life. 
you might pray a little prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. There is a darkness within me that I cannot overcome. I need your help to give me a new heart to come into my life and to cleanse me from all of that sin and to trust that you alone can give me life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. If that's If that's the cry of your heart this morning, let me assure you that Christ will hear. And He will do that thing in you that you could never do for yourself. He will make you clean, set you free, and give you life. Lord Jesus, you have heard our prayer. You have heard the cry of the, of the one who has been looking for life and has only found death. And you will now bring life into their heart. You will transform them into your child into your friend so that they can come with confidence into your presence and lay before you all of the things that are in their lives and according to your will that they will then live out your plans and purposes for them. Thank you. Thank you for those who have prayed that prayer long ago and still are reveling in your love and your forgiveness. Keep us from those idols, those things that would take your place. And instead, bring us into the wholeness that comes from following you at every day and every moment. Thank you for your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.